The bridge officer on watch keeps a lookout and takes responsibility of safe navigation. The watchkeeper in the engine room ensures that the ship's engines and machinery continue to operate effectively and efficiently. Guard is a marine insurer, helping our members and clients manage risks and its consequences. We handle major casualties, including collision, pollution, salvage, and wreck removal, and we learn from these experiences. Together with our members and clients, we work towards sustainable maritime development, supporting new ideas and technologies for a safer and greener shipping industry. I'm Kunal Pathak. And I'm Kim Jeffries. On Watch is our opportunity to share the experiences and ideas that inspire us. Hi, everyone, and thank you very much for tuning into our podcast. We are releasing this podcast on the 25th of June, the day of the seafarer. Many of you have been following the IMO's initiative, where they are inviting seafarers to tell us what a fair future for them would look like. I can't answer this question for the seafarers, but I can certainly share a conversation on abandonment of the seafarers that we had some time back. As my first guest, allow me to welcome Mr. Rahul Devedi, who has been a victim of slavery and abandonment by the ship owners. Welcome, Rahul. And for the benefit of our listeners, could you please introduce yourself and perhaps also reflect a little bit on your journey in the maritime industry so far? Hello, everyone. This is Rahul Devedi, fourth engineer. I come from the city of Prayagraj in north of India. Like I completed my elementary education and then proceeded to United Kingdom for my further studies where I passed my high national diploma in marine engineering. Then I came back, had a sailing and went back to appear for my exam. And finally, I cleared my class fourth exams in 2018. Thanks, Rahul. Now, you come across as um, a fairly qualified mariner. And uh, you are obviously, I understand that you have just recently started your your sea career. So tell me, how has your experience been starting from your first vessel? If I would like to talk about my first experience at sea, it was like quite a good one. Even though I was working with the foreign crew, like the crew was from Syria, but everything was just normal, like we used to mingle along very well. I used to get proper guidance from a chief engineer who was of like Syrian nationality, but he helped me out with everything. He helped me to fill my uh, like training record books, helped me with the understanding about dangers and all. Everything was quite good. Even the, they paid me respect. So after you signed off from that ship, I understand that you decided to change your company. So would you like to talk to us a little bit about your experience uh, of uh, the new employers that you had uh, uh, selected for? I completed my exams in 2018 and like in India, the recruitment process, for especially for the fresh years, like you you hardly get a chance in a good company so people start finding for ways like people get desperate even i got desperate this time because you have attained your certificate of competency and you you are only looking forward in your life to get that position 
to to work for things like for your passion but when you don't get what you want you, you tend to get desperate so i got desperate and uh i paid a money i paid money to the new recruitment agency which was in new delhi like they hired me for this process for this ship they charged me money like 125000 inr which was which was and they they sent me to they sent me to a ship which was totally unworthy i am referring to the seaworthiness of the vessel plus the condition the condition of the ship like the accommodation the condition of the engine room engine like everything was at a total mess everything was at a total mess like i was living in a room of like the length of that room was like 3 meters something and the breadth was like 2.53 it was like a square cubic cubicle of 3 by 3 so right. my accommodation was this plus it was more like a store room i was being forced to live in a store room and that store like the other people they used that room as a kitchen as well so it was a bunk bed system i used to sleep on the top and on the bottom hand side people they used to cook so it was like kitchen come uh, bedroom for me For those of you who are trying to figure out the sums paid by Rahul to the recruitment agencies, it equates to about two thousand two hundred US dollars approximately. And I'm sure a lot of you would be wondering: Are the seafarers not aware of such unscrupulous employment practices? Well, let's find out. I was aware, but generally, what happens? The desperation is the worst enemy to any seafarer or to any human being. I would say. i got desperate like i i was just looking that somehow i finish my sea time and just appear for my competency exam for the next level that is class 2 but you know like poor prospects and greedy people they just take this as an opportunity to fill up their pocket yeah and i think we have spoken about your experience uh, before rahul and you have shared quite a few stories with me but of all the hardships that you experienced um, what would you rate as the worst when during a time on board that ship uh the the toughest one is was definitely like overcoming my physical injury like i got injured in february and the first medication which i got on board was like in april and that medication also was not a not sufficient uh plus sustaining that physical injury and trying to maintain your mental levels it was it was like the hardest thing in my life to overcome that phase of life sustaining an injury and trying to cope up with the mental aspect and tell me if you ever thought of asking for help how was that experience for you there was like a, me and my family they were 
like trying to tell my ordeal to various organizations who work for the welfare of seafarers my family and me contacted iswan like iswan really helped us really very they helped us like their uh, southeast asia uh, coordinator mr chirag bari he was a great help to my family like he he told them to relax and everything will be fine to me he told me that you don't need to worry that much things will definitely fall in your favor so iswan helped me a lot i i would definitely like to thank them thank them from the bottom of my heart can you also tell us a little bit about uh, rahul how did you eventually manage to get off this vessel so i would like to tell that i joined the ship on january 13 2020 in february like on february 17th i got injured so my first attempt was uh, to get my sign off done was from china it was in it was on 30th of march but as like indian embassy in china they told me that it's impossible to sign off because there were travel restrictions due to covid so that was the f- first failed attempt my second failed attempt was in maldives indian high commission like they enrolled me for the evacuation process i was enrolled on two different occasions by the indian high commission in maldives first uh, via a ship evacuation and the other one was a flight evacuation but the ship people and the indian employer they didn't let me go citing the safe manning procedures and all so they didn't let me go from that ship i told me that i am not in a condition to continue but but they they, they didn't took any heed of my situation my vessel sailed from maldives to china uh, to thailand and it was like uh, the date was 22nd of april we started sailing from maldives and we reached thailand around it was like 5th or 6th so we stayed there on outer anchorage and then we proceeded to the port of samutsakon on uh, 10th 10th of july 2020 uh, once we landed once we reached port like there were too many problems the management authority which were present on board they openly threatened the foreign crew for the fight they tried to instigate a fight and subsequently what happened that they bring out the iron rod and shouldered it on one of the crew due to this thing like we all the foreign crew they got terrified and as we were already in contact with iswan and with our embassies next day to this incident we were rescued from that ship with the help of thai royal thai police our embassies and my special mention to one special lady miss agnes apinya she is the itf coordinator as well as iswan's deputy director in thailand she is the lady like who who helped us who rescued us from that hell so it is my special thanks to her you were taken off the vessel and i understand that you spent a few months at the 
Detention Center for Human Trafficking. Tell us a little bit about why were you detained there and what were the conditions at the detention center? We were rescued from that ship. Uh, Thai authorities asked the ship owners to pay for our repatriation and like pay for everything, whatever, for all the formalities which will be done. But the ship owners, they blatantly denied to those requests. So as a result, what happened, like we were shifted to the victim shelter for human trafficking uh, near the national capital of Thailand. And there, like we have to spend four months, like those four months, even though we were safe, but on mental terms, it was like very traumatizing. Every day you are stuck in a foreign country you are only thinking, how can you go home? So due to this abandonment by the ship owners, we have to suffer through this phase. We all have to suffer. Every day we just had one thought, to see our families once again. Everything went well for us after those four and a half months after we appeared in the court. All those things like then after embassies and all, they very actively helped us. So I want to thank the Indian embassies on my behalf, the embassies of Bangladesh and Indonesia on my friend's behalf, ITF and Thai, Thai national government. Like these people took care for us. It, like getting stuck in a foreign country, you are abandoned by your ship owner. You hardly see a ray of hope, but these people have been the real fighters for us. I would like to thank them on my behalf. Sure. And is there a specific reason, Rahul, why you were there detained for four months? Actually, uh, because the wages, uh, uh, when the police investigation was initiated into our case, they found the cases, uh, they found this case to be of forced labor, like none of the terms, none of the terms were being followed as per as our contract agreement. I would like to tell you that the Bangladeshi crew who stayed on my ship, they stayed for 30 months on that ship, 30 months, you can imagine. They have been writing to the ship owners. They have given their sign off letters to the ship owners, the recruitment agency in Bangladesh, but no one heard them. No one heard them. They wanted to sign off from that ship. They wanted to sign off, but no heed was paid to them. And were they paid during this time or were their wages also compromised? They, they, uh, they were paid like once in every six months. They were paid like that, like for the six months, they used to get salary for four months and another two months salary got on hold. So it was like that. Right. So they were never really paid any full wages. But... None. Yeah, that is what I would like to like bring up. The most important thing is none of the terms were being respected uh, as per as the contract agreement. None of the terms. When you contacted um, the embassy or uh, when your family contacted Iswan, uh, how many months had you um, served on board this vessel? 
and a follow up question to that is were you were you being paid during the time or were your wages also being held up when my family first contacted iswan it was like in march it was march and around 30th of march uh, my family first contacted iswan they first contacted the global helpline number which connected connected them to the main helpline that was from london and after that they were directed to mr chirag bari who is the southeast asia director for iswan then my family got into touch and during this time i wasn't paid like i joined my ship on 13th of january 2020 and i received my first wages on 10th of june and that was and that too only my wages for one month is still like uh, the seafarers uh, the ship owners they owe me around 1735 dollars but still like they, they are saying that they have paid your recruitment agency is not giving you but i don't know i have tried filing the complaints to indian uh, director general of shipping and all. so let's see i have done complain what whatever result comes okay and uh, my last question now um, you have obviously been quite open about your experience and i know you have also used uh, social media platform to share this information with others but what would be your recommendation rahul for those seafarers who are currently looking to get their next employment so kunal sir the first and most important thing which i must which i would like to suggest my juniors or like my colleagues is first of all never get desperate because out of desperation you try to seek the wrong ways wrong ways in a sense like you try to pay for your employment you try to look for jobs on social medias and all which actually don't work out in real life the uh, so my most important thing is never ever pay for your employment and be like have your ears and eyes open keep your ears and eyes open in order to know about the company for which you are going to work to know about the condition of the ship on which you are going to work because these type of things when happens it it literally shooks a human being from inside so this this is this is my basic suggestion to the newcomers or my colleagues so now that we have heard from rahul i suppose a lot of us would ask how can we really help them one organization that has been helping abandoned seafarers is the international trade federation or commonly known as the itf i was grateful to be connected to an individual who has helped several seafarers under very difficult circumstances allow me to introduce mr mohammad arkedi who is the itf arab world and iran network coordinator welcome mohammad and if you could introduce yourself please i'm mohammad arkedi i have been inspector uh, an itf inspector covering bilbao port and the basque region since 2001 uh, since 2018 uh, i am coordinating the itf network for arab world and iran uh, so i am covering uh, actually uh, a network of the itf that the itf has set in 2018 uh, to assist seafarers in 
Iran and all Arab world. So this is exactly what I'm doing now since uh, 2018. In addition to ITF, PNI clubs also play a critical role in managing abandonment cases. Our third and final guest for this talk is my colleague. I'm Alice Amundsen and I'm working uh, in Guard's head office in Arendal, Norway, um, where I'm the head of people claims. And as the name might suggest, this includes claims concerning seafarer abandonment. Um, and I've been involved uh, in the past uh, in the work by the international group of PI clubs to put in place the financial security framework that uh, was required by the MLC and also in setting up the infrastructure uh, relating to MLC certification and the handling of MLC claims within Guard. MLC refers to Maritime Labour Convention that entered into force in 2013. The regulations require that all ships which are subject to the convention to carry a certificate of financial security for ship owners' liability for repatriation of the crew, essential needs such as food, water, accommodation, and medical care, and up to four months of outstanding contractual wages and entitlements in the event of abandonment. Let's understand the magnitude of the issue that we are dealing with here. So, Mohammed, if I can ask you to start with, um, if you can share some stats on the crew abandonment cases that you from ITF have handled uh, over a period of time, or let's say last, over the last two years. Contrary to what uh, many people will think, unfortunately, I, I insist, uh, uh, abandonment is on the rise. Abandonment is far from being eradicated and is far from being uh, disappearing. I am speaking uh, especially on the region I am coordinating for the ITF, uh, uh, Iran and Arab world. We have observed an increase of, uh, of cases of abandonments uh, in the region. In 2019, we have dealt with 124 cases. Uh, a big majority of them are cases of abandonment. And in 2020, uh, this number jumped to 171 cases. And again, the big majority of these 171 cases, uh, requests for assistance from crew, the big majority of them are also uh, cases of abandonment. In 2019, in these 124 cases, the amount of back, of back pay in wages for the crew was $4,200,000 approximately. And in, two, uh, in 2020, it is $6 million in, in, in wages. What the COVID has done, if I want to put a relation, uh, uh, interactive relation with, with the COVID, that is a reality that has, has come to rea in reality to unveil and to discover a reality that has existed. For me, dealing with this region, the abandonment cases the requests of assistance for, for, from seafarers to the ITF in the region has never stopped before the COVID uh, and during the COVID. It is true that the cases now has become more dramatic because the COVID has made everything more difficult. 
Uh, I mean, especially for example, when you want to, uh, when you get a solution and you want to uh, to disembark seafarers, so you face extra problems of confinement and decisions of government of confinement and closing borders, etc., etc. The seafarers are aware, and uh, and this uh, makes uh, uh, them uh, take the decision to claim and to complain to the unions, to the ITF, etc., uh, etc. Et and uh, I can see that uh, uh, in 2020, uh, I think in the region we have dealt with uh, approximately 30 cases of abandonment. Let me assure you that big majority of them are severe cases of abandonment. Uh, severe cases of abandonment, I mean... Uh, the big majority of these cases we have dealt in the region in 2020 uh, are cases of, um, I mean, where seafarers are not paid in some cases uh, 12 months. And the tendency in, in 2021 uh, is, is still uh, increasing. In 2021, we are already dealing with many cases of abandonment. Fortunately, God doesn't see the number of cases um, that Mohammed has just referred to which uh, really are some shocking numbers. However, if a ship owner which has insured its ships with guard falls on hard times, and that does happen from time to time, and they're unable to um, repatriate their crew um, or pay their wages, then it is guard's responsibility uh, to step in and to assist the seafarers who are involved. So during the 2020 period, we have in fact um, seen two cases of abandonment. When these cases occur, um, they are extremely complex. They are very challenging um, and very time consuming. And they are of a completely different nature to the type of people claim that we normally handle which uh, generally would concern um, a ship owner's liability. So um, I can certainly echo um, Mohammed's comments that in addition to this complexity um, and difficulty that these types of claim present, that COVID-19 um, has made these types of claims even more difficult to handle. In this episode, we heard it straight from a seafarer who's been a victim of abandonment. And we also briefly touched upon the role of the ITF and Guard as an insurer in resolving these issues. However, this was only a start. And our next episode, we will dwell more into challenges associated with handling abandonment cases, both from a PNI as well as ITF's perspective. So please stay tuned and do share your comments and views with us on this episode on whichever platform that you subscribe to. You can also write to us directly on lp at guard.no. That is LP, that stands for loss prevention, at the rate guard, G-A-R-D dot N-O. Thanks for listening and we look forward to connecting with you again 